When life gets harder, you get smarter. You don't mission, you level up like a boss. Connect Vox Fiber to your home, starting from 554 Rand per month. Level up your experience with Airtime's Wi-Fi boosters, Vobi Voice app calling, offers 365 and over 160 other products to enhance your lifestyle. Live smart, level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za to view our range. T's and C's apply. How's it, Rehut? How's it, Duncan? So, uh, like my new digs. Why is it such a corporate, it's a Sunday, we're supposed to be in a fun environment, now we've put a boardroom there. No, to be in the office today. <laughs> and if you drink. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking there? Mad Giant, it looks like. Yeah, this is a Mad Giant, fantastic range of beers. If you've never had any of their beers, definitely worth um, sampling. They've got a full range. Yeah. The New England IPA is always fantastic. The Carjacker, or Josie Carjacker, which is on tap now, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying just before we started, the venue is fantastic. So if you're looking for a nice place to go, you know, drink some beer in Joburg, that's a beautiful venue. Yeah. That's definitely one of the few places. in Fox Street, one Fox Street. So what Fox is that, Giant? Historical. What do you mean? What, what, what type of beer is it? Oh, so this is mm. the Urban Legend, which is an IPA. This is the uh, IPA. Where is it? Nice. So and it's, it's hoppy, fruity. Yeah. So it's between this one and um, the Pale Ale, which has got the first, I can't remember what it's like, a bright purple label. That's also one of my other okay. sectionable beers. And, and they're cheap as well, which is fantastic. You know, craft beer prices, unfortunately, a lot of craft beers are closing down, but um, we're seeing more reasonable craft beer prices. These days. Yeah. Yeah, they are quite expensive. But where's my Uber Care package? Oh, we forgot to set that up. <laughs> you forgot. Yeah, we still set up. Yeah, I did, I did. This was just a beer I had. I actually didn't plan a special beer. Okay. All right. Okay, so you ex- exp- should I be sending you a beer every Sunday then? Yes, I'm waiting for my Uber Care package. <laughs> okay, there's also Uber subscription attached to that. How's that? <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, we'll sort out for one for next week. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I'm seeing you this week, so uh, so we'll make a plan. Definitely. We shall. We shall definitely make a plan. So, from my corporate boardroom, uh, shall we get the show on the road? I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Rehard van der Berg. This is Talk Central, episode 268 for the week starting 4 August 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. Join our YouTube live stream on Sundays from about 1pm and please hit that subscribe button. On Talk Central this week, Telcom wants to kill ADSL. Uh, also on the show this week, honor means business. Mark Barnes quits the post office. Microsoft spends big in its fights against Twitch. And Facebook really wants you to know they own WhatsApp and Instagram. Silly, silly, silly. <laughs> it's a Sunday afternoon. We are live streaming on YouTube. And it's time to talk everything technology. <laughs> Rechard, should we do our quiz? Oh, we haven't forgotten about it, Duncan. That's fantastic. No, I haven't started <laughs> drinking yet. <laughs> First question. Eskom last week reported a full year loss of how much? And it's a lot. Uh, a, a very large amount, yes. Not pocket change. Um, which UK politician has called for a backdoor into encrypted messaging systems? Third question, which international technology company is the subject of an ageism lawsuit claiming it has been firing all the employees in mass? And what is the name of EOH's new ICT, or rather, what is the new name of EOH's ICT division? 
And the final question, who owns the Honor brand of smartphones, which has set its sights on being the third largest smartphone brand by value in the next three to four years? And that's in South Africa. Uh, we'll get to the answers, as always, at the end of the show. But uh, quite a bit to talk about, Rechat, this week. And um, Telcom yeah. announcing during the course of the week that uh, they have stopped uh, their prepaid fixed line service. Um, they've suspended it after they moved 96% of their copper-based copper prepaid services, service clients onto, um, onto wireless alternatives. And uh, now they're saying they're moving ahead with plans to get rid of their uh, copper network entirely. Um, I, think, I think this is a good thing, right? Oh, definitely. Unfortunately, you know, the theft of copper and the value of copper has been you know, obviously one of those big issues. But it's just going to help foster internet speed all around, right? And actually speed up some rollout because we know they've kind of been neglecting their older infrastructure. Yeah. And of course, copper, you mentioned theft, but copper is also slow, very okay. slow. And um, unless you've got VDSL, uh, which tops out at 40 megabits a second, um, but it's, it's got the same uh, problems associated well vdsl the problem with vdsl is it's 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 only available it's in, in limited areas because you need to be very close to the telephone exchange for it to work mm. um but the other problem of course with adsl and or dsl technology generally is um it's very heavily severely affected by the weather so uh if you have a severe storm um you know it could knock out your line and very likely as has happened to me many times in the past when i was an adsl user blown up my modem <laughs> It's terrible. It's terrible, those issues that, I mean, I remember being having those random outages between copper thefts or water soaking the exchange or somebody just reallocating a number by accident, which has happened a few times. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like decades ago, you know, but, but in fact, it's just been a few years that we've had fiber now. Mm. It's been a world of difference. We've been very fortunate to have it, though, in, in, as one of the first mm. uh, people uh, you know kind of in the cities to have yeah but let's be honest we've seen very fast deployment out into more rural areas and to smaller suburbs um, mm -hmm. around the country so yes this is this move is going to then speed up that process and that can only be a good thing more data access uh, yeah more wi-fi hotspots absolutely absolutely yeah. very um, exciting actually yeah um it's uh yeah, I, I, there are a lot of people still on DSL. I, th I forget the exact numbers, but I think the figure is still sitting at around eight hundred thousand or so. So it's it's a big chunk of the. Of the I think there's still more DSL users than by far than than fiber users. But uh, I think it just shows that um, you know this is a dying technology, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's completely gone from Telcom's network within the next five years, and that'd be no bad thing. Um, I, I do feel sorry for people though who are on, on DSL and are not going to be getting fiber in their area. Because not all areas will be covered by fiber, of course, um, and th those people will probably have to fall back to some sort of fixed LTE or possibly a 5G solution. Um, although 5G is promising fiber-like connectivity, uh, it's unclear at this stage whether uncapped solutions will be priced at the same level as fiber. Um, That's the downside, isn't it? I mean, somebody's going to control the airwaves. Somebody's got to control the airwaves, and that obviously means you know, premium on that on that bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, but the fiber rollers are continuing. I mean, we've got Vimitel rolling out fiber in Mitchell's Plain. Um, they're talking about uh, firing up their Alexandria experiment, which has been delayed a bit. Uh, Supersonic, which is MTN's uh, fiber to the home ISP, is, is, is interested in, in rolling out uh, fiber in, in townships as well, they said this week. Uh, and they're probably going to start looking at that next year. We've got Frogfoot rolling out in Soweto. I think OpenServe is doing some work in Soweto. Um, 
so you know i think the 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 market is seeing opportunities and not just in the leafy suburbs of of joburg and cape town and, and parts of durban but they're actually starting to see opportunities in the townships and 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 other areas i don't think fiber is ever going to serve small towns out in the platterland um although never say but never again you. again you know if, if they have a very fast uplink somewhere the local town infrastructure could be fiber with a uh you know kind of a mtn vodacom style uplink to a satellite somewhere if it's a very rural area yes um, and then eventually there will be something that reaches a town or just a better technology mm. um, or even a facebook loon <laughs> lingering over that town you know <laughs> um but yeah i think there's a lot of value and also within those small towns you know copper would still be a problem theft because we know that uh, yeah crime prevention in small towns aren't always uh isn't always as effective and those things could get overlooked very easily yeah yeah but there are alternative technologies out there. We've got 5G coming. The spectrum for that should be allocated next year. Uh, we've got um, we've got uh, the WISPs, the wireless ISPs, um, uh, servicing small towns and and doing a pretty good job of it. Providing you know typically I don't know f- between four and ten megabit per second uncapped uh, at reasonable prices to more outlying parts of the country. Um, I think they mainly use Wi-Fi spectrum to do that. Um, and um, and and of course, there are fixed LTE solutions, and the fixed LTE prices from the mobile operators are getting more and more affordable as competition intensifies. So uh, there are alternatives to fiber out there. Um, but yeah, if you're living in, I don't know, uh, what's a small town? Pitsa um, Yeah, if you're living in Pitsa Novata, you're not probably almost certainly not going to get fiber to the home. But you probably fiber. Pitsa Novata. Maybe the town. We got the name for the show this week, I think. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, but you will, you will be served either through a fixed LTE type solution, possibly five G in the future, or um, or a, a WISP will provide you with services. And it probably is a WISP in Port Bitsorn of right to providing internet access to local residents already. Oh, yeah, for sure. And look, I mean, most small towns have uh, cell phone inf- uh, cellular infrastructure and at least a 3G style capability, but a lot of small towns that I've driven through recently has all have yeah. 4G, yeah. especially along the main routes. Um, so, yeah, which is, you know, that's good to see, definitely good to see. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see what 5G is going to do, though, for mm. all the good and the bad that people are prophesizing about it. Is that really going to be the thing? Is that really going to be the next big thing? What about 8G? 7G, you know. <laughs> Don't get ahead <laughs> but, of yourself. In, in, no, but in terms of in terms of the, the kind of deployments that required for that, especially in smaller towns. Yes. Um, in, in South Africa, it'll be interesting to see. There's been, yeah. a, there's been a remarkable amount of chatter about it, which is why I'm almost like a little hesitant about it. Like, why is why is this why is it such a big thing? Yeah, and I think it's I think five G is going to be more for an urban type solution, and um, it's going to be very de- dense a very dense network because they're using um, high frequencies. Um, I mean, the, the, some of the initial bands they're talking about for five G are in the so called milli- millimeter wave bands, so we're talking around twenty six to twenty eight gigahertz, uh, and those frequencies don't travel very far, um, and they don't pe- penetrate buildings well at all. So, um, in those some of those initial millimeter wave deployments, I think they're going to either be very specific applications. Um, for example, at a mine um, where they need that high-speed connectivity for certain applications like, um, I don't know, virtual reality or whatever applications they're using in that mining environment. Um, or it's going to be in a very dense setting like a shopping mall, for example, or a, a busy a main street like a, you know, like a um, uh, somewhere in Melville, for example, where they're 
dozens of restaurants next to each other. There might be a 5G hotspot serving that street. Um, but I can't see widespread deployment on the millimeter wave bands. I think we're going to need to see spectrum um, being made available for 5G in much lower frequency bands. Mm. Um, I think the other band, what's the other band they talk about? Is it three and a half gigahertz potentially for 5G? Uh, I think they talk about that as a, as a potential option. But ultimately, um, you know, they're going to have to free up more spectrum in the sub one gigahertz band to do this stuff. And that's not where 5G is going to be deployed initially. So it really is going to be an urban technology. But maybe there's an argument to be made that in a small town with uh, with 100 homes, um, out in the Karoo, for example, you just need one 5G base station and an antenna in, in people's windows, and they can they can and, and then fiber back all to that base station, and they can experience true 5G speeds. But certainly, 5G isn't going to be rolled out to farmers in the rural free state. No, no, of course not. <clears throat> but again, there's there's a lot of good solutions for that. Um, I guess it just makes sense from a deployment point of view to have high density. Yeah. Um, and 4G is going to be with us for a very long time. I mean, we we spoke about this in the show last week, and the government is finally getting a move on with the licensing of 4G spectrum, which should have happened seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, and it's remarkable what the operators have done to deploy 4G as extensively as they can with the limited spectrum that they've been allocated, uh, refarming their 2G and 3G spectrum for 4G. Once they actually get their hands on a decent amount of 4G spectrum, um, the, I think the coverage of 4G is going to improve significantly, particularly when they get access to um, the so-called digital dividend bands, which are still being used by the analog uh, broadcasters, SABC, ETV, and MNET. Well, I think MNET's actually switched off their analog broadcast now, but certainly ETV and SABC. Once that spectrum uh, in the 7 and 800 megahertz bands becomes available for 4G rollout, I think you're going to find that 4G coverage, even in quite remote rural parts of South Africa, will be excellent. Um, mm. And, and providing really good throughput. Um, it, it's going to provide that sort of coverage, that sort of um, geographic spread and coverage um, right into into remote farming areas. Um, you'll probably find that once it's been allocated, you'll you'll pick up 4G in, in the remotest parts of the Transkei, which is going to have a tr- transformative effect. I know if you go out to some of those areas now, you're lucky to get um, you're lucky to get an edge connection at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but there's been a lot of work going on, and, and operators like MTN particularly, but also Vodacom have been um, have been refarming their um, 900 megahertz spectrum uh, for 3G. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I mean, I was in the Drakensberg a while ago, uh, right on top of the Drakensberg, and I was amazed to have um, I was on an MTN sim at the time, and I was amazed to see I had full 3G coverage really in the middle of nowhere. Well, that kind of defies the purpose of getting away from it all, right? Um, it does. That's <laughs> why I shouldn't have, have taken to... my smartphone. I should have just taken a, an old Nokia or something. Exactly. It's up to us to limit ourselves, right? Mm. We are such a technology addict. Um, but we have to have the technology out there. I mean, it, yeah. makes, it makes sense if you do have there for a lot of reasons to have that. You know, yes. Safety and security being one of them. Yeah. Um, I like being, yeah. I actually like being able to be connected wherever I go. Mm. It's it's nice. I mean, it, it means, you know, I, I'm not tethered to the city. I can you know, um, running an online business, I need, I need connectivity. So if, if I happen to be in, uh, I don't know, Puriti Java in the Northeastern Free State, uh, I know that I can get online and I can do some work if I need to, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And so much of our lives now are digital, especially, you know, people that kind of live and work in a digital space. Um, yes, you can, you can a lot of arguments for removing that from your life, but when we get away from it, we don't necessarily want to get away from the stuff that we enjoy too, which is that digital side of it. Yes. Online gaming again is one of them. It'd be so amazing to 
launch a game in the middle of nowhere if you really want to unwind if that's one of the things that make you unwind yeah. right yeah uh, we're living in strange times and these are the new kind of norms yeah yeah that's a good point next time i go hiking in the drakensberg i can strap my pc to my back and uh fire up a session of PUBG on top of the amphitheater. Well, on your phone, that's all you need, right? You don't even need to. Well, with your notebook, you can take anything these days. <laughs> True. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I'll be doing that somehow. You, but, should, you uh, should. It's nice to know nice, no, I can if I want to. <laughs> for, for those, um, I, I don't know why I'm using PUBG as an example, because you're the PUBG addict, not me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of things that we do. You know, video recording is another thing that's, that's strangely been... Um, a massive thing that we don't really a lot of people don't do it and a lot of people just mm. do it and they take it for granted the fact that you can see somebody it's a lot much better than a physical phone call right yes, um, yes. especially if you're in a remote location and you kind of want to catch up with family and friends and you can lie on your uh, beach couch there and just chat mm. to people i mean again it's using a technology for something different um, and you can again get that real interaction out of it bring people closer to you yeah it's true. maybe 20 years and we have a little portable vr studio you know, you can do a lot of cool things mm. on the beach if you want. Yeah. Going there physically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, it, it's true, though. I mean, these things like FaceTime and, and Skype and uh, Google Duo and all that sort of thing are, are very good these days. And I, I do use them occasionally, particularly Skype, uh, usually to chat to, um, you know, um, family when it's a birthday or on Christmas or something like that. But I tend not to use video calls for business. I wonder what the reason is. Um, I, I guess it's a bit intrusive. Yeah, I guess business is still, um, I mean, but you wouldn't really, few people, I guess, would do kind of a Facebook call or a WhatsApp yeah. call or, I mean, corporate business. I think you would there use proper tools that your business would provide, like mm -hmm. Zoom or one of those things, I guess. Um, but for most consumers, video calling is a big thing, right? That's where we spend most of, I mean, we used to phone a lot, we used to text a lot, and now it's yeah. messaging and video calling. Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting times. It's just, yeah, I've got family in rural areas and even doing a WhatsApp call, it's it's weird how the technology out there just doesn't seem to work as well because mm. the time the calls run for about two or three minutes and then something goes wrong and you disconnect and we have to retry. Um, I think it's it's a factor of, of the um, of of, mo of mobile and and um, how the base station is is hooked up. So I think in, in many of those rural areas, you'll still find the base station is hooked up with some sort of microwave backhaul, um, which is not as reliable and not as speedy as fiber. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, there's probably probably uh, you're probably a further distance from that base station, which probably affects the quality as well. Perhaps, perhaps. Mm. So um, we got a bit sidetracked there. We were talking about uh, the death of <laughs> DSL. Um, um, yeah, a lot I mean, of repercussions. A lot of repercussions. I, I, if I was still for, forced to be on, on DSL, if fiber hadn't arrived yet, I um, I think I'd be annoyed if, if they were going to terminate my DSL and, and force me onto some sort of wireless solution. Um, oh, yeah, especially if you've got a relatively decent, it's taken years to get a relatively decent DSL connection. And we know yeah. it can be a good technology, especially if you're far out. Yes. I don't know. Let's hope, let's hope the wireless technology kind of, or, or perhaps they will deploy some kind of base station to improve the wireless uh, connectivity in those areas where that's required. Mm. I guess it all comes down to random sense, right? How much are these people paying on data? Yeah. And what's their projected forward use yes. to, to invest in that? Yeah. If I was a mobile operator, I would jump on that and get these guys on a really good deal. Mm. Localize a really good package for them. Um, 
and make sure that they kind of have that same servers because mm. we know that the cellular companies would have good infrastructure out there right yes but it's just going to be a bit pricey for like a 30 40 gig connection if you do it uh, yeah if you're a heavy user I think for people who just use their DSL for, um, for for browsing the web, for email, for doing the banking and that sort of thing, switching to an LTE solution is is fine, no problem. But if you're a, um, you know, it's possibly even fine for a gamer, although there might be some latency issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, the latency on DSL is is is, is really poor compared to fiber. Um, and on LTE, it's you know you can get if you if you're near to a tower, you can get 15 to 20 millisecond um, ping times. Uh, although on on fiber you you in the city you're getting one or two millisecond ping times, um, but uh, if you if you're using your DSL to watch a lot of Netflix, if you're one of those uh, old school users who still uses um, peer to peer networks to download stuff, um, then uh, then I think they'd be annoyed if they were told, sorry, your DSL's going away and you have to switch to LTE. The massive gaming popular uh, gaming communities too in a lot of these small towns, right? Yeah, true. A lot of people turn to technology if there's not much else to do, or, or gaming at least. I've got a few friends from school that's kind of scattered around South Africa in smaller towns, and they all game. Yeah. Um, and they all have DSL. Some of them are getting fiber, but um, the guys on DSL, yeah, I would, if I was in that position, I would be livid. Mm. But I think the good news for them is, is Telcom isn't going to switch off its, uh, or remove its copper network or switch off its copper network anytime soon. This is not something that they can do in the next year or two. Uh, I think this is probably a three or four, perhaps even five year uh, time frame they're talking about here. Uh, so I think DSL will be with us probably at least until 2023, 2024 before, before they make any sort of call about switching it off. Unfortunately, the demand for copper is still there, right? So I really hope uh, we kind of get to the root of these guys buying it up because also a company like Telcom, if they decide to kind of de-invest in DSL, their the, uh, enthusiasm to replace or rebuild infrastructure could also not be top priority anymore. No, I'm, I'm sure they are on very much not keen to put copper in the ground that's been stolen. And in fact, we've seen this a lot in rural areas. So, you know, you used to drive through the Free State Millifields and you'd see Telcom... Uh, Telcom lines on on poles for miles on end. Um, you don't see that so much anymore because Telcom's actually physically removed it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, because it's getting stolen. But again, a good call for just deploying fiber, right? So mm. the infrastructure was there. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot more cost effective to deploy lengthy distances of fiber uh, to these towns than it is to do a copper or all the infrastructure in any case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Martin, how's it, Martin? He says, I work at Telstra here in Oz, and we do video calls all the time, even between two floors. It's video. We all have cameras on our desks. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't think most, most employees in corporates don't have cameras, but um, they should maybe, hey? Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's a good way for your boss to spy on you, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on the environment, too. But, I mean, in social circles, I certainly find, I see it picking up a lot. Yeah, and I can almost guarantee you, people that are young now, growing up with going through kind of their teenagers with smartphones. Yeah, that's how they'll be communicating. Obviously, text to the WhatsApp type generation, but mm-hmm. video calling is awesome, especially with all these cool filters, right? You yeah, a lot of, you can do a lot of cool things, and it's it's, it's still better than uh, one-dimensional communication, which is either text or voice. So you now have mm. you can see the person, kind of get better reaction out of their face. Kind of just see an environment, which is really what communication, what technology is supposed to bring out in communication. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So um, I want to talk a bit about a, a smartphone brand called uh, called Honor. Um, you must have heard of them, Rechot. Mm. Um, um, I've also just heard of them, and I think I might have seen one or two of their smartphones in store, but I haven't in the past paid too much attention to them. I had lunch this week with uh, Raymond Liu, who's the MD of Honor South Africa. Um, they're a part of Huawei, uh, and they launched in China, I think about six years ago, um, to appeal to the youth market who were um, increasingly buying smartphones from uh, online stores like Alibaba and, and others in China. Apparently absolutely massive, and uh, the Chinese spend um, an insane amount of money uh, on e-commerce these days. Um, and the Honor brand was was created to be a more youthful um, uh, uh, brand um, in the Huawei stable that's specifically only sold through online channels. Mm. Um, I thought it was a bit odd that Huawei, which is a very well-established brand, decided to launch a new brand. Um, but they say, Raymond said to me that they've um, it's been very successful for them. And um, and they've got huge growth uh, ambitions. They want to be the fourth largest uh, smartphone brand in the world by revenue within the next three to four years. Uh, and they want to get into the third, number three position in, in South Africa, with Huawei being the number one brand in that period. Uh, and I've been playing around with one of their phones, which, um, which I'll, I'll save for the moment because it's my pick this week. Um, but it's a seriously impressive technology. Uh, I, I wasn't, to be honest, expecting too much because um, on a is seen as the more affordable smartphone alternative in the, in the Huawei stable. Uh, but this phone, which unfortunately is not being launched in South Africa yet, and I'll explain why a bit later, is very good. I'd put it on a par with the Mate 20 Pro and, and possibly even with the P30 Pro from Huawei. Nice. Um, very, very good device and, uh, and priced uh, significantly below those two phones. Um, but again, I'll, uh, I'll go through that a bit later in the show when, we, when, we, when I pick this, uh, pick this device. Um, but an interesting brand, and um, I think they're going to do very well based on my discussions with uh, with Raymond Liu. Uh, the story is on Tech Central, so go and have a look at it if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but a robust, robust, well thought out uh, product um, with a, a good interface. I'd read some reviews about uh, it's called the Magic uh, UI. I'd read some reviews from people saying it's it's not good, but uh, I um, I beg to differ. It's actually um, almost entirely built on the EMUI, the latest EMUI um, interface from Huawei with a few tweaks for Honor. Uh, and it's really good. So I'm not sure it was American reviewers. Uh, I don't know, maybe they have something against Chinese companies. Um, but uh, the interface is great. It's, um, it's, it's on par with, uh, with the best that Huawei is doing today. Uh, so keep an eye on this brand. They're very, very interesting. Uh, and if they get if they, if he gets his his targets right, his ambitions for the South African market right in three or four years, uh, two Huawei brands will be in the top three by revenue in South Africa. Um, of course, that is a big ask because um, there's lots of competition. Look, if you can get the value segment right, if you can get that, if you can produce a good quality phone um, for an affordable market, and we know South Africans are very you know kind of tight with their money or tight with money. Mm. Um, you will do really well here. So I guess the question is, are you prepared to drop your price and go for volumes, um, potential volumes, yeah. and really capture the market, which I think is possible, especially yeah. with the data conversation we just had. People are now saying, yes, okay, I can do a basic smartphone. And I see a lot of young people, students have relatively all right uh, smartphone devices, but they're all kind of sub a thousand rand. Mm. Um, jump up to the next level, you know, saving a little bit of money and getting something that allows you to do a lot more, you know, they would have a good market there. 
Yeah. So watch this brand. I think they're going places. Um, very interesting stuff. What's next on our list? Uh, moves around the camera. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Mark Barnes has quit the post office. Um, he was there for, I think, about three years, two and a half, three years. Uh, he resigned this week saying that um, he had a disagreement with the board, which is effectively appointed by government over the post bank and uh, whether it should be split out from the post office. He was not keen to do that. Uh, and he has attended his resignation. Um Post office. I mean, do we really care about them anymore? No, I haven't heard a good thing about them in a while. Maybe the odd post of a good branch, but every time I've been there, it's been the morale isn't very good there. No, it hasn't been good for a while, and that's really. I mean, apart from the real issues they have, yeah, it's just not been able to adapt to a modern era. It should have. It was a company that I think was perfectly in perfectly in place to really give us some really good e-commerce style. Um, yeah. Uh, delivery infrastructure. Which Mark Barnes wanted to do, and he did seem to be doing some good stuff there. I mean, my mail, not that I get much mail anymore, but my mail, which I think for a period last year or the year before last, just wasn't getting delivered when I think it was after that massive strike they had um, and they had a backlog of millions of mail items. I wasn't getting my mail for months on end. Um, but I've been getting, um, I, I had a subscription to Time magazine, which I recently cancelled. Um, but that was coming, that's been coming regularly now for about six months. Um, so the, the post office does seem to be working again from a basic perspective. Um, I'm not sure they're delivering it very quickly because sometimes I would get uh, I would get two issues at once of a weekly magazine. Um, uh, but um, he, he did seem to be uh, he did seem to be turning it around and uh, making the right noises. And he was certainly talking about e-commerce as being the future of the post office. And I think there's there's still a huge potential for the post office to. Uh, uh, to, to be that fulfillment agent for e-commerce providers. But I think all the problems they've had in the past with theft of mail and, and, and strikes and, and inability to deliver on time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, has just made so many people jaded about this institution that I think it was going to be very difficult for, for them, for whoever, whoever runs this organization, to get e-commerce providers or whoever wants to use their services to trust them. Exactly. I mean, most people that use a kind of postal service has now gone to any of the third-party operators that sprang up around the country, right? Yeah. And using a good career service. I mean, I even you know a few people were joking about Ubering, but a lot of people just call an Uber and send a package somewhere. Yeah. That kind of thing has completely killed their business too, because people had to have had to find other ways to get things around. I mean, we, mm. we are a well trying to be a growing economy, <laughs> and um, we, we need to survive. I know a lot of up-and-coming small businesses too who want to. You know, it's always looking for new kind of ways to send stuff because it's such a big part of any business. Yeah. Because, of course, the internet makes a, a small business in Joburg a, a, a national business based on whatever their product is, if they can reach a national audience. Yeah. And it can become severely crippled if you don't, if you can't rely on the post office, you have to go somewhere else. And yes. You know, that's killed them. Yeah. The only reason I ever go to a post office anymore is to renew my license disc for my car. But how many do you have to go to before you can actually do it? I've often problems. <laughs> I had that. down. I had that problem this year, actually. I uh, I wanted to have it done, and um, I went to the, the post office where there was a queue of like 400 people waiting for to get their license discs uh, replaced. And uh, the guy running the post office, or one of the employees of the post office, came out to announce that they'd run out of uh, the paper that they print these things on. So uh, you can all go home, ladies and gentlemen. And these are functions that, again, another company could easily take over, or even a bank. You know, we've mm. seen banks kind of take over some of these uh, governmental type, like passports, yes. ID functions. And I think they're best positioned to do so. Yeah, I agree. Bank branches are, 
are closing, unfortunately, because they don't have a function anymore because of online banking and banking systems like that. Mm. Now they can kind of breathe new life into some of these big branches. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you applied for a, one of the new ID cards, by the way? No, I haven't. I thought there was a system you had to wait for it or something. I, I think it's open to everyone now. I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't done it myself, but I, I know a lot of people who have now, and I, I think you can just go. Um, and I think more bank branches are doing it as well, but I, I haven't actually looked into the process and I should because, uh, mm. that old green, my old green eyed barcoded ID is falling to pieces. Yeah, those things don't age well, right? No. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you should look into that and actually just uh, go and do it and do some yeah. feedback on it because yeah. especially if it's open, um, and also it's just very cool. A new digital, uh, like a new card based ID. I think it's a very nice thing, easier to carry around in your wallet too. Yes. I just wish that they'd integrated it with your uh, driver's license as well, so you didn't have to carry a, a driver's license card and an ID card around with you, but uh, maybe I'm nitpicking. <laughs> Governmental departments working well together? No. <laughs> Perish the thought. Never. <laughs> Perish the thought. But um, so Mark Barnes leaving, leaving the post office, I think it's a blow for them. Um, I think he was competent. I think he knew what he was doing. Um, and uh, one one hopes that uh, you know he he seemed to be turning it around, and you know the post office was in trouble for so many years. All we need now is another state institution to be um, going to the national treasury begging for a bailout. Uh, so let's hope whoever takes over from him continues the good work that he's done, because there is let's face it, there is good potential in the post office if it can fix its image uh, and offer low cost uh, career services for e commerce providers. I'll come up with something new. There's there's so much room for. I mean, they've got the infrastructure. Yeah, just mm. a new idea, fresh, fresh concept. I think it to turn them around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David uh, Filion in the chat room says, "You can uh, just go." My family and I did it a few months back. I presume that's referring to the ID cards. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I think I must just go and get it uh, get it done. Um, I must just find out which uh, which lo- where the nearest bank branch is that does it. Um, I assume you can go to any branch. You don't have to go to your branch. Your your bank. Um, I think it's only specific bank branches that do it in conjunction with Home Affairs. So I don't think you can just go to your local branch or any branch. You have to Uh, go to a specific branch, I think. Cool. Um, David, maybe you can clarify that, but um, I'm pretty sure it's it's, it's a limited subset of the number of bank branches out there currently that uh, actually do this. Because I presume they have to put some sort of uh, infrastructure down in those branches like um, cameras and and security systems and... uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the banks already have that, right? No, I'm just not speaking. But yes, no, it makes it make sense to roll this out in a few, few big branches. I mean, it's not something yeah. you can have running in every, because you also need a, a specialist person to run that. Set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But maybe I'll try it this week if I if I get a gap, although I probably won't because Friday's a public holiday, so everything's compressed. Oh, no. <laughs> not another one. Yeah. We haven't had a public holiday for a while, though, actually. I think the last one was in June. But they just creep up on you, right? They do, yeah. And Although it's, na- it's national, months. it's National Women's Day anyway, so I, I don't think we can actually take the day off, Rachat. Oh no, I'll I'll be working. I'll pay my pay my dues. <laughs> um, let's talk about the story you uh, uh, and we find the picture for it. Um, not, not exactly the uh, a match of pictures, but this is the best I could do. I'm afraid. Um, Ninja, who is a very big. Um, Twitcher uh, on the uh, gamer on the Twitch Twitch platform has switched to Microsoft's Mixer platform, which I hadn't actually even heard of until recently. Um, and Microsoft paid him how much was it? Fifty million dollars. Fifty million, yeah. Fifty so million. Fifty million. Yeah, no, it's crazy. There's big money in the streaming because they're putting the the advertisers right. Um, right. 
Now, Twitch, as you know, to date has been kind of one of the big platforms for this. I'm just putting up some stats on it. Um, a big platform for streaming, but there's also been a lot of negative things coming out from streamers uh, on the platform. You know, apparently Twitch is a bit of a, um, a big company that you don't want to uh, mess with. They would in, they would very easily um, take your, your monetization away or remove your subscribe button or do all kind of weird things if you don't. Because a lot of these companies also, they push you to produce more. They want more streamable hours so that they can push mm. more ads. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine it's a relatively volatile um, platform, uh, well, relatively volatile industry at the moment. So mm -hmm. yeah, Microsoft's platform, um, by all accounts, seem to be addressing some of those issues. Um, I haven't played with it a lot, uh, but it's certainly worth checking out. And there's a lot of guys on there who's very happy with it, apparently. Well, I had a look at it this week. It looks looks pretty good. It looks uh, not dissimilar to Twitch, actually. Um, but $50 million. Uh, this ninja guy, apparently, according to his Wikipedia page, has uh, 14 million subscribers on Twitch. So are they paying? And those subscribers won't come across necessarily. I mean, a lot of them will follow him. They but will. A lot of guys will follow. Because remember, mm. for a lot of guys, it's it's their viewing platform. I mean, yes, yeah. you'll have you'll have a fall off on that, and I'm sure a lot of those, uh, a lot of his viewers aren't regular viewers. So the guys that watch once a year will mm. obviously only subscribe once. A yeah. Year. Yeah. But for the bulk of uh, bulk of it, remember when somebody searches for Ninja Streams and he's a very popular streamer, they will find Mixer. Um, links and they will go view it on the platform. So it, it doesn't yeah. really matter so much if people are following him. If he's a big enough um, celebrity in the industry, uh, they will follow. And this is just basically paying for advertising space. And it's a good mm. move, I think, um, because he's a very big name. Um, yeah. It's just 15, how, how that relationship is going to turn out now. I mean, they're not even buying the subscribers, though. So, but let, let's just do the calculation $50 million divided by 14 million subscribers. He's paying, they're paying about, my maths is right, about three dollars sixty per per uh, subscriber and then although they're not actually buying the subscribers that's a heck of a lot of money for but that's easily uh, offset with advertising remember three dollars per user that kind of arpu isn't the most unreasonable one i think in the advertising space maybe so so advertisers like red bull for example are going to jump on board and spend more money on mixer now um, anybody yeah. who wants to put an ad on a um uh, ninja videos now mm. not going to spend their money on twitch right mm. So <laughs> he's got the deepest pockets, I guess. I would I would probably wager a bit that Microsoft's got more opportunity. Mm. Um, although execution is really all where it is at, right? If they yeah. can't pull this off in the long run and get sustainable views and get new people to use the platform. Mm. But having played with it, I'm kind of thinking we should also see if we can put our stream out on there and just kind of play with we it. We should try it, yeah. Um, but they've got they've got some really cool. I mean, I'm, Twitch has got this too. But just the layout of how they do it, it's just more engaging for me to find new streams. I find mm. there's a lot of people doing real life streams in real life, um, just doing stuff, whatever it is, a show, video, walking around. It's interesting. Mm. Also, could be a good uh, good competition for 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 YouTube in a way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We should have a look. Um, we we only stream to YouTube at the moment, but um, Wirecast allows you to stream to multiple platforms. Uh, I think they've got Twitch, uh, certainly got Facebook Live, um, and one or two others. Uh, I doubt Mix is in there, but uh, maybe it'll come in a, in a future release. So yeah, that's a lot of lot of moolah. Um, a lot to, of money to um, pay a gamer. Fifty million dollars for a gamer. Wow, we're in the wrong he's business, Rachel. And he's not even the. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not even like the top gamer. Do you hear the story of this Fortnite sixteen-year-old Fortnite player who won fifty million dollars? I saw that. 
And then all the memes followed with when mom says, you know, gaming's not going to get you anywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these big bucks. Big bucks. Esports e is another one. I'm, I'm less enthused about esports. I don't think, I think there's a bit of a, uh, like a bit of a bubble there, to be honest mm. with you, because mm. these things aren't really attended as much. But gaming viewing, like whether it's, it's like with YouTube, you, know, you either have a single YouTuber or you have a group of guys doing YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, that's the popularity, not necessarily necessarily the big brands producing content for YouTube. Yes. Um, and the same with gaming. So these guys streaming, um, PewDiePie still massive. Um, Dr. Disrespect, if you've never watched uh, anything on streaming, go watch Dr. Disrespect's video. He is fantastic. He's a great streamer. So, you know, these celebrities are coming out, these guys that you want to follow, and that's where mm. the money's going. Uh, mm. And in esports, I think we're just going to see an adaptation of that. Yeah. We want to see the fun side of it. That's, that's really what's about. And that's what these guys do really well. Yes. I think I better get this background video off before this woman has a heart attack. She uh, she's looking very stressed. So <laughs> <laughs> she is not doing well in that game. <laughs> so uh, last story, uh, another one you picked up, Rafat, was that um, uh, Facebook wants to know, wants you to know that it owns Instagram and uh, and WhatsApp. In case you didn't know that already, I don't understand. You know, I'm I'm I've liked Facebook less and less since they started with their shenanigans, and now I, I don't know. I'm just using it out of just because I do it for some work-related stuff. Mm -hmm. But this kind of move, I don't know, it's really, why would you say that? Instagram by Facebook. Mm. You're just pushing people away because we don't we don't really want to be reminded that everything is owned by Facebook, right? No, no. Uh, WhatsApp as well. I don't really want to think that I'm, because it's just one step closer for them to integrate it. Oh, no. That's probably what it's about. Facebook app for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably the long-term game. I mean, they're really planning cross-platform functionality between the, these various messaging apps. Um, so it's probably yeah. a, a move in that direction. Do they do one app at the end of the day? Do they kill off one of them and, and it's all built around WhatsApp or, or something like that? I don't know. Probably not in the short term. Yeah, and unfortunately, these are, these are really good apps, right? They were mm. born independently. They were just bought out by the big corporate. Mm. That's kind of the sad part, you know, sad yeah. part of the story. You know, It's like, do we give up the, this platform that we've kind of loved? And there's a lot of good things that can come up. I hope they take away the subscriber count numbers because that would... Um, really do a lot to... In to, Instagram. Uh, Instagram, yeah. I'd really yeah. do a lot to, to, to remind people that it's not all about likes. You know? Yeah. Produce yeah. cool things if you want to produce cool content. Um, but yeah, having these things all mixed up is... Uh, it's, we're not yeah. going to good territory yet. Hopefully there's going to be another another app that comes out that um, could take reins again. Yeah. Always opportunity for that. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so David says he got his ID card from Home Affairs. He went to Home Affairs rather than to the bank. I'm oh, not going to do that. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to Home Affairs. Yeah, I've had uh, memories of, of um, nightmares in that place. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to our regular features. Uh, we don't have a winner this week again. Uh, no one's um, put up their, their hand, unless, Rechard, you have... Uh, no, no, no winner again. We don't just give that title away willy-nilly. Yeah. But uh, we do have a loser this week, uh, which means I get to press this button on my board again. <laughs> we do the picture, and then we'll do the button. <laughs> Our loser this week is ESCOM for losing almost 21 billion rand in its last financial year. The biggest loss by a state-owned company in South Africa in history. And there's no sign it's getting better. Well done, ESCOM. Well done. Yeah. In fact, that deserves another one. <laughs> <laughs> what a disaster. 
we can we can talk about this, but I actually don't want to because it's it's, uh, it's laughable. Mm, mm. Right, I have messages waiting for review. I haven't seen that before in the chat room. Um, Facebook Messenger and its phone battery vampire tactics must die. Phone battery vampire tactics. <laughs> I love that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and Martin says, uh, that was Martin, by the way. Martin also says, e- even the light one uh, is still number two on battery usage, and I, ca- and I hardly use it. That's interesting. Yeah, I use Facebook Messenger Lite. Uh, I, I can't stand the full app. Um, but yeah, I, I, my phone often complains about WhatsApp draining battery, actually. Um, yeah, 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 I would imagine that would be... It shouldn't be, though, right? But yeah. at least we've got good technology that's one of these things. <laughs> I'll read that again. I enjoyed that. Facebook Messenger and its phone battery vampire <laughs> tactics must die. Do you, how, how do you really feel, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, it's true. So, I mean, uh, they, it, it's such a, they've got, you know, you know, that statement with great power comes great responsibility. They just have none of the responsibility side. Yeah. They've got yeah. fantastic platforms and it could be, I mean, they don't always, yes, you have to innovate, but you don't always have to push the boundaries and collaborate with everything. Mm. Uh, if it works well on its own, you know, leave it there, tweak it. But, you know, yeah, anyway, I agree with him. Right, let's do our picks of the week. Uh, Rachel, your pick is on screen. Um, It looks like Lego. What is it? Yeah, Lego launched this last week. Um, So I bought this at the the store reveal last week. Oh, they just opened in Menlin in Pretoria, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, but this Mm. was at the Santon branch. Um, So essentially what this is, is they've launched this new Lego range called Hidden Side. And what it is, it's um, there's a backstory around it. I won't really bore you with the details. It's in this little town, and there's like this two kids that discovered that there is uh, an underlying kind of ghost haunting happening. So these basically these sets allow you to build a normal set, and then using an app, there's an AR overlay that you have these mini games that you can then, with each set, uh, capture, reveal ghosts, and to have a little bit of an AR mini games around that. Mm. Um, it is very cool. The app works very nicely. I mean, they said they're going to be improving it, so they're going to be adding new elements to the app so you can use an existing set, um, you know, with new features on ongoing. It's a nice nice addition. I always like this kind of innovation when you combine the two. Um, and the effects are really nice, and it's, it's really cool. I mean, you can see, if I can just highlight over there, yeah. see, uh, so now you can see there's certain elements on that Lego set that will react with the AR element of it and um, have an overlay. And that'll based on, it won't always be there. So today it might be one particular thing and next week it'll be something completely oh, different. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's not it's not baked into the set that it's going to die with it. The, the, the AR app allows them to add new ghosts mm. and new, some monsters and things. Um, and I can see this running onto other things like the Stranger Things um, sets. You know, there's mm. the AR overlay is very cool. Um, even with existing sets, potentially, um, Star Wars is another one of my favorite stuff. But there's uh, Lego sets, and there's a lot of AR things you can do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's very cool. How much does a kit like that cost? So this is a basic kit that's three fifty, three hundred fifty okay. grand. Okay. Um, but they go up to about two or three grand, I think, for the bigger sets. Wow. Um, just depends on yeah how deep you want to go. But I so just like to play with it. You haven't built it yet. 
no, 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 no. I played with, I played with it at the, I played with it at the store. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I, I'm very particular about how I build Lego. So when I have uh, a down Sunday afternoon, which doesn't happen often these days, <laughs> uh, I just want to relax and unbox and play with it and kind of just go through the motions and see how it all works. So I'll probably do yeah. it this week. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a fun innovation. I would certainly check it out if if you're into Lego. Uh, get yourself a cheapy set and play with it and see if you like it. Cool. Cool. Uh, right. So I need to find the picture. There we go. Uh, my pick this week is, as mentioned earlier in the show, the uh, the Honor Twenty Pro. I keep wanting to say P Twenty Pro. Honor Twenty Pro. <laughs> Um, really beautiful back, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that is nice. So it's got a Kirin or Kyron 980 processor in it, which is the same one that's in the P30 Pro. Uh, it's got 256 gigabytes of storage. Nice. Um, it has 8 gigabytes of RAM. It's running Android 9 Pi and uh, um, an UI called Magic, which is uh, very much based on the latest version of EMUI, which is, uh, which is Huawei's interface. Um, as you can see on the screen, it's very much... Um, what you'd expect on a Huawei device. That's a pretty uh, high in specs too, right? That's not a basic. No, it's high in specs. The, the couple of things it's missing relative to its more expensive uh, Huawei siblings uh, doesn't have wireless charging, for example. Uh, so you can't pop it into a wireless dock, which is not something I use that much, to be honest. Um, it doesn't have a barometer, although I think most people won't miss that. Um, I kind of like a barometer feature, um, but uh, I think I'm one of the very few because um, I'm a bit of a weather nerd. Um, but generally speaking, it's a beautiful phone, but it is not coming to South Africa. The P30, sorry, the P30, the 30 Pro, the Honor 30 Pro is very likely to be launched here next year. It'll be the successor, uh, which will probably be out around May, June next year. Um, so worth, worth looking out for. But um, right now, this device is uh, something of a rarity in South Africa in that it's uh, not available here. But if you want to get one, I'm sure you can import one. Um, but I'm impressed with this brand. This is a very, very competent device, and uh, it's made me realize... Uh, where I didn't before, where I just assumed Honor was a cheap and nasty knockdown. Uh, it is not. It is competing head-on with uh, the Samsungs and Sonys of the world for leadership in the Android smartphone market. What's the camera like? What's the photo quality like in video? Uh, I haven't had a chance to play with it in any sort of detail yet, but it's got four four rear sensors. One, two, three, four. There's the fourth one there with the flash. Uh, it, uh, the main sensor is 48 megapixels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also got a macro lens and a telephoto oh. lens. Uh, I forget what the fourth one does, um, but the 48 megapixel one has got, I think, uh, at least that one has uh, optical image stabilization. Uh, and then it's got a, a, a cutout. Uh, let me just uh, fire up an app that will allow you to see it. I need something with a white background. Uh, there we go. Um, it's got a little cutout camera um, in the top corner. I don't know how close I can get to the camera. There we go. Um, so that little that little camera hole pinhole there is a 32 megapixel camera, front wow. facing. That's not bad. Yeah, very impressive, very impressive. And uh, this phone, if if it was launched according to Raymond Liu, the MD of Honor South Africa, if it was launched in South Africa, we'd be looking at about the 11 to 12 thousand rand price range. It's not bad. It's very I've good. Seen, I've seen the Mate 20 Pro that I'm very fond of my phone. Yeah. Um, that goes for about. 10, 11,000 right now too. It's come down quite a lot, but yeah. it, is, it is a last year model um, and the prices always do fall. This is a new model that would have come in at that price. So in a year from now, this would have fallen to eight grand. But all doesn't necessarily mean better. Uh, Bad, no. Better. Mate 20 Pro is a fantastic phone even today. I was just saying before the show that uh, I actually should at some point get a second one just to keep safe somewhere because I know at some point they're going to stop making these. Mm. And the camera is just fantastic. It's, yeah. 
Although the Mate 30 Pro is due in about two months' time, so it might be worth waiting to see see when that comes out. And I don't think the Mate 20 Pro will come off the market when the mm. 30 Pro is launched. It'll just uh, get another price cut. Look, if they do it, if they do the upgrade well, which I can't doubt that they won't, right? I mean, they've been doing a lot of good things recently. It's going to be nice. Uh, and then I'm also due for an upgrade soon, actually. Yeah. So that might be a good thing. Okay. Uh, you're not worried about uh, Donald Trump and uh, US sanctions against Huawei? Worried about Donald Trump? No. The Trump no. no, you'll take a chance that it'll keep getting Android. We know, we know <laughs> those sanctions were all just kind of tactical plays. You know, they, mm. they know that they can't really... Um, and the company's still going strong, right? So yeah, exactly. we know, I, th- I think we've got a good relationship with China, so we'll be fine. Yeah. South Africa, I mean. Yeah, the problem is Google is an American company, so who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Um, and I don't think Hongmeng OS is ready for for launch yeah, just well. yet. Cool. I think that's our show this week. Uh, let me just see if there's any other comments in the chat room. Uh, uh, Martin says, Lego Stranger Things. Oh, that's so cool, Rehot. We'll buy for my boy. Uh, yeah. Do give us some feedback. Uh, can buy it gear best. Uh, does it have NFC, he asks. <laughs> No, no. So this is just uh, some of the bricks. So would they have uh, specific colors and shapes, I think. And colors is the main thing that the AR app picks up. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's not, uh, it's not. They also launched a, so it's not um, NFC, but they also launched a, worth checking out for any young people out there, yeah. um, a four by four buggy, which you control with your app too. So it's a wireless um, buggy that you build technique style, like a, quite a nice chunky four by four vehicle. And that thing looks amazing. So also worth checking out. Excellent. Great, let's do our quiz results. Uh, let me dive in with the first one. ESCOM last week reported a full year loss of how much? And that's 20.7 billion rand. Hmm. Which UK politician has called for a backdoor into encrypted messaging systems? And the answer is Home Secretary P- Pretty Patel. I don't think Pretty Patel thought that went through too clearly. Oh, no, that's not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which international technology company is the subject of an ageism lawsuit claiming it has been firing older employees en masse? And that's IBM. Fourth question What is the name of EOH's ICT division? And the answer is IOCO. And the last question in this week's quiz, who owns the Honor brand of smartphones, which has set its sights on being the third largest smartphone brand by value in the next three to four years? And that is, of course... Huawei. And that is our uh, quiz, and that's our show for this week. Um, we will be back next Sunday on YouTube at 1 p.m. Do join us. Hit that subscribe button. Our YouTube address is youtube.com slash techcentral, one word, and uh, hit that subscribe button and be alerted whenever we go live on air. And we've got some, uh, we've got some exciting things coming to this podcast soon. Um, Rehat, you're going to have a green screen behind you this time next week. So. Oh, yeah. uh, we are uh, we are going to be doing some cool stuff, uh, which is uh, which I'm really looking Magic. forward to. What's that? Magic. Magic. I'll paint everything green be- on my chair too, so you won't see this. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to try this trick of putting on a a green beanie and a green t-shirt and uh, <laughs> see what it looks like. Green drum glasses would look awesome. Actually, you just have nothing there. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I'd have a boardroom table there. Uh, <laughs> no, that's up to you to get the good background graphics thing. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Uh, I got you criticized my uh, new office. So I'm going to have to uh, refurb it again during the course of the week, uh, at great expense and a yeah, great I'm amount sorry, of labour. I, I liked your our studio before. Why don't you change it? <laughs> I might go back to that. Although we don't, don't from next week, I don't think we need background uh, images uh, because oh, we're just all yeah. we'll just be uh, talking heads on the green screen with a video or whatever it is behind us. Um, 
but we'll uh, figure that out closer to the time. Um, yeah, I think, uh, Rechad, that's it. Uh, um, 071 I mean, not forget that, is our WhatsApp line, 71 Until next week, from Rechad and myself, take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.